What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Collective, brought to you by Heavy on Sports. I'm your host, Adam Taylor. And as usual, we're joined by our resident NBA insider, our veteran reporter. Um, there was one we came up with last week, but it eludes me. Mr. <laughs> Sean Devaney. What's popping, Sean? I think I think veteran was the was the uh, final choice that we uh, that we settled on, wasn't it? <laughs> veteran. <laughs> was, wasn't it seasoned? Well, uh, I could do seasoned, yeah, yeah. Not too seasoned. Uh, you know, I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> I guess I'm getting there. <laughs> I mean, we're all getting there. All of us yeah. are getting there. It's been a fun week since the last time we yeah. spoke. The Celtics have been stringing wins together. Jason Tatum's been doing not so Jason Tatum things this early in the season. We're going to hit on it all just for a rundown, everybody. We're going to talk about Jason Tatum's performances. We're going to talk about the game he played against the Memphis Grizzlies, a 39-point game. Obviously, Drew Hanlon said something on Twitter about his performances. We're going to touch on that too. Then we're going to look at the Celtics defense. Is it getting better? Is it staying the same? Is it getting worse? What We don't know. Let's talk about it. We've got Marcus Smart. He's been balling out over the last two games. Personally, I think that he looked a completely improved point guard against Memphis. I think we need to hit on that. And then we're going to play a little game called Pick Robert Williams Return Date, which is essentially go bobbing for apples and see if you get lucky. <laughs> Am I it's right? Kind of, it's kind of like if you have a pregnant friend and you have to pick uh, when her due date is going to be. So that's uh, uh, it's, it's it's along those lines. We're in that pool. We're all taking a, a shot in the pool and seeing which one yeah. of us wins. Right. Man, we sound old. Do people still do <laughs> pools? <laughs> sure. They do. Outside of a bingo hall. I haven't worked in an office in about 25 years, so I, I, I really don't know. So. <laughs> See, last time I was working in an office, it was in a poker company, like an online poker company. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we just played a lot of poker between ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, no, we wasn't. We were not meant to play poker. No, that was I the see, thing. We were meant to uh, be looking for collusion with people playing poker. So, like, we, we, we obviously, you go to work to make money, not to do the job. Anyway. <laughs> What's up with Jason Tatum, man? I mean, usually at this point of the season, we're like, the shot's not there. He's not himself. He's playing a little bit off the pace. Maybe, you know, it's a slow start. We start making excuses for why it's a slow start. Oh, well, he's played basketball for the last three years straight. You had Team America, like Team USA. Then he had a deep playoffs run. He has every reason to not be playing well. No, it's not that this time. Now we're like, this is a genuine MVP level, like worthy start to the season. I'm not saying he is the MVP, like front runner, but is in that conversation, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd have to look at probably Luca right now is yeah. uh, probably the, the the front runner for me, uh, but Tatum would be right there behind Luca, I would say. And you, know, you got Giannis and uh, and John Morant, uh, you know, both been good. Donovan Mitchell has been fantastic, uh, and Cleveland's played so well. So you know, there's going to be a, a pretty good crop of players there. Uh, but you know, I, I think with something like like the MVP, what you want to see is a guy who went out and sort of changed his game and became that much better, uh, you, you know, sort of stepped up uh, to a different level. And I, I, I think we're really seeing that with, uh, with Tatum. Uh, you know, we've talked before about how he's changed his body uh, and he started to realize that he's, uh, he's kind of a big dude now. <laughs> and, 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 you know, when he goes into the paint, I mean, you saw it against Memphis uh, on Monday uh, when he goes into the paint, he's got nothing to be afraid of. Take the contact, you can finish, or if you don't finish, you, you go to the line and, and, and you know, he's a, a 90% free throw shooter. So, you know, I mean, right now he's taking advantage 
uh, of everything uh, that, that he has at his disposal. And we haven't usually seen that from him until we get into like January, right? I mean, that's how it's been in the past. Uh, but, but he's doing it right, really right from the jump here. On cleaning the glass, they've got him sitting around. And I looked at this last time I looked at this was before the Memphis game. He's at around 14.8% of his shot attempts. He draws a shooting foul line. Like, yeah. the, like he's just, he, you're either going to foul the guy or he's going to score on you, or you've put him in a position where he's just taking a tough late last second shot clock kind of attempt and it's going to fall or it's not going to fall. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing is he's really taken the mid range pretty much out of his game. You know, I mean, that was something that, I actually thought, and some people that I spoke to around the league said, well, he's got to get better at that. And, you know, it's something that Kevin Durant does. It's something that that LeBron and Kawhi, like all those elite level stars, can get to that 15, 16 foot uh, spot and, and, and knock down those jumpers consistently. It's not something uh, that he does, uh, but he's gone the other way. And he's just he, he is threes and, and, and layups and. Uh, that's that, that's working pretty well too. So he doesn't really need that uh, that that, that uh, mid mid post sort of stuff. Uh, not when he's not when he's playing like this. Yeah, I mean he took away the mid range, but added in a floater, right? So the majority of shots that were like dribble pull ups in the mid range are now just floaters. He's he's dry, he's taking that one or two extra steps towards the defender, and then just floating that ball up with that soft touch. And all of a sudden, it's just unlocked a whole new level towards his ability to get to the rim. Because now as a defender, you're like, right, he's already penetrated, so he's on the way to the rim. Let me go and take away that attempt by positioning myself like down low. Hold on, this guy can score floaters over me. I need The pickup point now needs to be one or two steps clo- like further away from the rim. And Tatum Euro steps around you and then gets an easy finish anyway. So all of a sudden, it's... Oh, he's not just going to run directly at me and try and finish through me. He's going to finish around me. He's going to finish over me. He's still capable of finishing through me. And with all of these little tricks in his bag and the way that he kind of contorts his body and controls his body in the air, I'm going to have to foul him. And nine times out of ten, he's probably going to sink the shot anyway, and now it's a three-point play. I mean, this game against Memphis, there was moments where I felt like Tatum was really cooking. But to me, it was one of those star-level performances where it's a quiet 39. He did a lot of his work from the free-throw line. Yeah. Like there was, you, know, you had the few dunks. You had the one where he come down in the fourth and he was screaming and banging his chest. But for the majority of the time, this was a quiet 39 points. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, they, they were playing without Steven Adams. And, you know, that's the kind of recognition that you've got to have as well that, all right, he's not in there. I'm, I'm going to the basket and I'm going to do it a lot. Um, and that's that that was good to see as well. You know, the other thing, too, about about uh, just getting back to like the MVP stuff. And and I, I hope that this I, I'm always disappointed when the MVP comes out because only rarely is is defense factored in. But Tatum is playing great defense and, you know, he played great defense on Ja down the stretch uh, yesterday. Uh, and so, you know, that's 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 a factor here. Uh, that too often in the in the voting for these things doesn't get considered. Uh, if it gets considered, you'd probably have to move him ahead of Luca. Uh, even in, despite how good Luca is, he's not a great defensive player. Uh, whereas Tatum is is really becoming an all defense level player. Without a doubt, I mean the length that he's got. I think that he's always been a strong defender in the passing lanes. He's always been that passing lane pest because of the long arms being able to poke balls loose, get deflections and stuff of that nature. But he's added some more switchability to his defensive skills, right? 
like as you said, he's done a great job on Jar. That's a point guard. That's not just any point guard. That's an all-star, one of, if not the most explosive guy in the league. And Jason Tatum locked him down for stretches. And then you can slide him up and you could you saw him guarding uh, Desmond Bain for little stretches. You saw him on Brandon Clark. The versatility, versatility that he's bringing along with the additional strength and the additional positioning... The dudes like dude, I'm really struggling to pick point like to pinpoint weaknesses in his game that would actually improve him. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. You know, and, and the the shot blocking is there too. That seems to be something that he's 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 devoted some concentration to 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 really becoming a better shot blocker. Uh, and we've seen that as well. So yeah, I mean he's he's he, you're right. I mean he's now the total package here, uh, and we're you know a month into the season. And he's already playing at that level. Like I say, we've seen him play at that level before, but it's usually a stretch like just before the All-Star break, you know, through into March. Uh, but now, now we're seeing it here in uh, October and November. Question for you. How much of this, not the performances, because that's on Tatum, right? Yeah. But the the way the offense is set up, the way Missoula is asking them to play, that Mike D'Antoni, Houston Rockets, rim, like layups and freeze, layups and freeze, that analytically favored approach how much has that helped tatum do you think actually sustain these type of performances and not lean on bad habits yeah well and i think some of that is buy-in too right i mean he's 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 bought into playing that way uh where that wasn't always the case you know i think there's times uh going back to brad stevens when he would have liked to see tatum uh you know take out some of those uh uh some of the mid-range stuff that that he'd been working on uh but yeah you know i mean uh, the way that they are playing in general, uh, you know, they are, they are taking uh, an inordinate amount of threes and, and, you know, that's by today's standards uh, and, and, and they're making them, you know, so they're, they're creating space uh, and they're, and they're knocking down the shots when they get them uh, as, as long as they can continue to do that, uh, then this team offensively is going to be very, very good. So I don't know about you, but what I like to do at least every other game is watch a game with the opposing um, announcers, yeah. right? So I watch it from a different stream. And one thing that the Grizzlies announcers said yesterday, when we're recording this, it'll be two days ago, by, or three or four by the time people listen. But they, they noted, and I, I kind of wrote this down, the Celtics are actually top two, or they were top two, coming into this game against Memphis in hockey assists. And the, that matches the eye test, right? And it matches exactly what you just said. They are swinging the ball. They're looking for that extra pass. If one guy's open, but the next guy's wide open, then it's not sticking. It's pinging side to side. That's buying as well, because you need, if you're going to take that type of three-point volume, then you need to be taking as many of them as possible with five, six feet of space between you and the defender. Yeah. And it was pulling teeth getting them to do that last year. You know, I mean, it was, it was not easy. Uh, I think it was something that MA wanted and there's something that, you know, after every game, they would have these leads. If you remember, they would have a 20 point lead and blow it. And after the game, they, they would say, yeah, we didn't move the ball. Uh, you know, this time around, they're not doing that, you know, so far so good with that, um, you know, at seven and three through 10 games. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they are moving the ball. Uh, much, much better. And, and really, it's a top to bottom thing. Um, you know, I think obviously the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, who's 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 a pretty talented passer that that, that certainly helps. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you've really seen them all sort of buy into, uh, you know, let's move the ball and, 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 and let's 
you know, have that faith that if you give up the ball, you're going to get it back uh, probably in a better, uh, better spot, better position. I'm proud of them. Are you proud of them? <laughs> I'm proud of them. Yes. I'm yes, proud of them. Were. We've watched this they group were. develop for years, man. We've had some rough moments. This leads us on to defense. We've watched this defense go from good to bad to good again to great. And then we've been all the way through that spectrum to in the first 10 games of the yeah. season. Yeah. And it's like, can we just find a happy medium somewhere, please? Like, the, we, we saw them getting beat off the dribble. Then they kind of fixed their perimeter defense, but it messed up their rim defense. Then they fixed their rim defense. And then, you know, they were running a lot of drops. So the mid range was open and they were getting cooked there. Now they've kind of made a few different tweaks, like, you know, putting guards on big men. So when switches occur, does not really a favorable matchup. You're kind of preempting that switch, preempting that mismatch and then opposing teams hunting it. That's drastically improved their, uh, their interior defense. You saw Tatum kind of play that weak side, free roaming, free safety role a little bit against Memphis. That was uh, yeah, right. a, a shout out to Keith Smith. He was the one that noted that. I saw it this morning, so I went back and looked for that. The, they are making adjustments, right? But the defense still isn't there. Corner crashes are just killing them. Absolutely. I tweeted this out yesterday. They're one of the worst teams at defending corner frees, but one of the best teams at limiting teams from taking them. But what the Grizzlies did was like, hey, we're going to put you in position to get the ball in the corner, knowing the Celtics are going to run you off the line. So just crash that corner, like drive in, do that Romeo Langford from the weak side corner and just attack. And they got quite a few buckets just driving in off that corner once they were run off the line. Yeah, yeah. You got to give up something though, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. kind of how it winds up working. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, the first five games, they, they uh, gave up 118 points a game. They allowed 48 and a half percent shooting uh last five games that's gone from from 118 down to 104 uh and and the shooting percentage has dropped to uh uh to 45 uh the three-point defense has been much better you know there's always a little bit of luck involved with three-point defense but um yeah i mean you know there's there's no question that the numbers have shown that this defense uh is improving uh that that, that they are starting to learn uh, a few things and 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 put themselves in better positions. I I, I did like that uh, what what Tatum was doing. It was a little like like Robert Williams, where he can kind of hunt out some of those block shots and hunt out um, you know some some opportunities to make uh, to to make people pay for for coming into the uh, into the paint. So that was that that was good to see, uh, and that's something I I'd, I'd imagine we'll see again. Um, and also I liked you know it was a good decision I think to start Grant Williams who had you know, a bizarre line, of course, he didn't take a single shot. And I think it was 31 minutes. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, you know, that, you know, what he does defensively uh, helps them. And, uh, and Memphis is a good rebounding team. So they're able to kind of neutralize that a little bit. Yeah. And every shot that Grant passed up and he passed up a fair few, he did it because there was a better shot available and he right. was getting the ball quite early in the shot clock. And I think he, overall, he had a good game. He made good decisions. And we can't, and I say this about when people are talking about like Smart and Derek White, and I'll say the same about Grant in this game. We can't sit here and praise Al Horford for making smart decisions and then be upset that Grant does the same thing, right? Because Grant's meant to right. be baby Horford. So I, I thought he had a good game. Would I have liked to see him be a bit more aggressive, flash a bit more of that after dribble game that we've started to see flashes of? Of course. Do I want yeah. to see him hit floaters? Yes. But overall, the Grizzlies do a really good job of kind of 
pressuring the perimeter. They really, they don't give up many corners. They don't give up a great percentage in terms of conversion rate from the corners. So instantly Grant's playing get a little bit of, um, a little bit on the back foot because, hey, my my biggest weapon is one of that their is, strongest defensive yeah, strengths. Yeah. So to to see them to see Grant alter his game to kind of go against what Memphis does and look to get guys like Sam Hauser, who's a better above the break three point shooter or a three point shooter from the wing and slot area of the ball, and to see him just embrace being a screener and a rebounder, that shows growth on his part. It shows buying again on his part. Yeah, he was a you know a net positive player yesterday, no question. You know that that in that game against Memphis, that um, I think he wound up being a plus six or plus seven. Uh, but you know that could have easily been more. Um, you know he he really did. He played a smart game, I thought. Uh, even though, and I was surprised at the end to realize that he didn't take a shot. You know because he was a part of the game. You know it just uh, it just uh, uh, he, he kind of forgot to. To hoist one there <laughs> i saw something where that hadn't been done like somebody had not played that many minutes without taking a shot since joel anthony uh in 2011 so uh it's been a while since somebody had uh, a stat line like what uh, grant williams put up on monday do you know what's fun though the clutch the clutch free throws to help close the game go to yeah, grant williams oh, absolutely right yeah and that, that that's the basketball gods rewarding you like, hey, you've played a solid game. We're going to give you this. Don't worry. We've got your back. You yeah. said he played a smart game. So I'm very interested. Do you know who else played a smart game? I bet I know where you're going with this, but I'll, I'll, let, you, uh, I'll let you answer. Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart, of course. Played a smart game? Yeah. He's been so good, man. I, I've just rewatched some of um. I went back and rewatched a couple of his um possessions from yesterday, from the Mavs game. Sorry, the Grizzlies game. And uh, he's just wildly improved at being able to beat guys off the dribble. Like the space creation when he crosses over has just been excellent. And then obviously you can see him playing out of the post, legitimately playing out of the post. It's not just, hey, I'm a point point guard in the post, give me the ball. No, no, I'm legitimately posting guys up. I can spin off you. I can create out of there. And then the one that I really loved was like, um, just to pick and roll in the first quarter with Jason Tatum. Tatum Mm. sets the screen. Slips it just before the contact rolls to the towards the rim and smart just gets in with like a sky hook assist. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of when smart gets overly flashy. We saw one where he tried to get fancy and the, the grizzly stole it away. But overall, he's playing with confidence. He's playing with pace, and he, I don't see how many people can be like he's not the point guard this team needs at this point in time. He gives you everything on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they've 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 come to a point now with Marcus Smart where, um, you know, you've had to adjust some things that you do around him. Uh, you had to get a guy like a Malcolm Brogdon, uh, but you know now he's in a position where he can do the things that he's good at, and 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 he can really set himself up uh, for the things that he's good at, uh, and that's that's something that. Uh, is a little bit different than it's been in the past. You know, certainly we saw it last year. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's in a position now where, and, and look, he's he, he he's always been a good passer. He's never been a great passer. Uh, but you know, now he's doing things that are uh, you know more efficient, that are more. Um, he, he's not making the same. You mentioned he had the uh, the one sort of fancy turnover, but uh, he's got three turnovers in the last two games. He's got twenty three assists. So twenty three assists. 
and uh, uh, and and three turnovers for the last uh, two games. That's uh, you know that's pretty impressive. You know he had 15 games last year with four more turnovers. This year he's got one. It came in the second game of the year. Other than that, every game that he's played, he's had two or fewer turnovers. Which you know for for a point guard playing 30 minutes a game, that's impressive. And, and, you know, he, he's been able to play, uh, you know, very careful with the ball, very efficient. Uh, and that's something that we haven't really seen from him in the past. And he's not trying to take control of the game anymore, right? I know that against the Grizzlies in the first few minutes, he kind of, his fingerprints were everywhere. He had the assists, he was hitting big frees, he was attacking the rim. But that was more a product of how everybody else was settling into the game than him looking to call his own number. That was him trying to get guys involved, trying to create a rhythm with his teammates and then attacking what the defense gave him. But as you said, he's not trying to... There was a time where Marcus Smart, every time the ball touched his hands, like, he's going to shoot a free. Yeah, and it's right. going to be a bad shot because there's three defenders closing. It's just, he's going to do it. It's going to be bad. Yeah, I think there's been one play like that all season so far where I've been like, um, what is Marcus Smart doing? And it cost him the game. I think it was against the first last against Chicago, if I remember correctly. It cost the team the game. But generally now, I trust Marcus Smart with the ball in his hands, whether it's at the beginning of a game or down the stretch in the clutch. He's yeah. just earned that that trust now because he's showing that he can be such a valuable member of a team and a valuable floor general for a team. He's an underrated passer by multiple stretches. Yeah, and, and I, I think the other thing is, look, he's still not a good shooter. I mean, that's that's he's never going to be, uh, uh, you know, a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, but, you know, I he is taking the ones that are open and, and, and that's, that's what you got to ask. If he's going to be on the floor, he's got to take those shots. Um, you know, I think back to the playoffs last year, uh, that game, uh, I think it was against Miami where he missed like three of them wide open late in the game and everybody was mad at him for shooting, but he's got to shoot those shots. You have to shoot them. If you're on the floor uh, and you are wide open from the three point line uh, down the stretch of a game, you got to take it. And, and, and so I don't have a problem with him, you know, being in a bit of, bit of a slump or, or, or not making, uh, you know, as, as many three pointers as, as Sam Hauser is going to make uh, that that's fine. But it's, if he's taking the right ones, if he's taking the ones that are open, that's what you want. And, and, and he's doing that. Um, you know, it, it, it really, there haven't been, like you said, there haven't been many times where he does that, that the thing that makes you scratch your head. Uh, you know, that's just, that's just not been the case. And that's a huge growth for him as well, though. Mm -hmm. Like, before, you kind of gave him the pass because the defense was so elite and because right. he was switchable. And now it's kind of like, well, the defense hasn't gone anywhere. You're not sacrificing your defensive impact for your offensive growth. Now everything's come together. And the same with Jason Tatum. We're looking at more of a complete version. And this is what we've all been waiting for, right? When you look at this roster, we've always said another two years. 18 months away. Once these guys all start hitting their stride, and I know Jason, Jason Tatum's still two or three years away from his prime, which is absolutely ridiculous. Crazy, right? But when we're saying like, hey, we're waiting for these guys to get to their prime, well, we're slowly edging towards that. Now, Marcus Smart is well in his prime, yeah. and we're seeing a complete version of Marcus Smart, and this is what everybody believed his ceiling could be, and he's managed to reach it, and now the Celtics are reaping the benefits from it. Yeah, and and you've got Jalen Brown, you know, who's who's also just just entering his prime. Uh, you know, maybe even still a year away for him too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you've got a situation now where you're going to have you know 
probably two guys who are all defense uh, with, with with Tatum and Marcus Smart, um, and and you know a guy who's an MVP candidate and Jason Tatum, and a guy who's an All Star and Jalen Brown, and you know I mean that's that's your core, uh, and and they are finally like you said they're finally all reaching that level at the same time. You know when when a year ago the thing was you know can Tatum and Brown play together? I mean, how many times did that come up? Uh, you know, this, this, this is what, you know, Brad Stevens and, 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 and people in the Celtics front office had believed all the time was there. They just, they just had to wait for everybody to mature uh, to get there. We have not heard that, that, that question. <laughs> can, can these two guys play together? We have not heard that question uh, in quite some time. You might've I'm hoping we don't hear it again, because if we hear it again, it means things have all of a sudden taken a huge nosedive and they're going terribly wrong. But we do hear another question. You know, maybe in, uh, you know, in eight to 10 years. (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, If they're still in in Boston in eight to 10 years, I'll be happy to field those questions because it means everything went drastically right. Right. Now, there is a question that does keep coming up and this will lead us on to our game. We need to pick a return date for Robert Williams. Right. I will let you go first. All right. So he had the surgery September 23rd, which means, and it was supposed to be eight to 12 weeks. Now he also had the other, uh, the other procedure there, the PRP uh, thing in October. And it was said, well, you know, maybe he won't be back until January, but Brad Stevens after that came out and said, no, no, um, you know, it's, it's, we're sticking with that. So the early side, the eight, the eight weeks is November 18th. The late side is December 16th. Uh, I am going to go with the absolute late side. I'm going to take December 16th versus Orlando. Um, and if you look at the schedule, that's part of the reason is they've got a six game road trip, um, you know, from, from late November into December. And, you know, four of those games are out West and I just can't see, you know, wanting him to like that, that to be his return, you know, coming back while traveling to, to Phoenix and LA. Uh, I, I just can't see them really wanting to do that. You know, so I think that they would probably wait till December 16th. Now there's a homestand before that, uh, that, that maybe he could come back on. Uh, but I just, I, I just think they're going to be patient with that. Uh, and and not have him go on that six game road trip, so I'm picking the first game after that road trip, December 16th against Orlando. I'm going a bit later than that, and it is on oh, a really? West Coast road. It is on a West Coast road trip. Okay. And the reason I'm going with this is because I just feel like they're going to wait until after the Christmas Day game, because nothing ever good, nothing good ever comes from the true Christmas Day games. <laughs> That's so, so true. <laughs> so I'm going with December 28th against the Rockets. Now this is a Western West Coast road trip, but you can play him against the Rockets. You can give him restricted minutes against the Clippers, sit him against the Nuggets, and then he can play against the Thunder, play limited minutes against the Mavs before playing four minutes against the Spurs, and then getting a three day break on the way back for the Eastern East Coast stand. So that would be kind of where I am. I don't want to see Robert Williams playing on Christmas Day. I just don't. I've got a bad feeling. So All I right. just don't want it to happen. December 28th, then. December 28th. That's what I've got penciled. Right. I, I thought I was pushing it. I thought I was going late. But you're going, you're, you're, you've got me by 10 days there. Well, yeah, I mean, I was looking at early January, and I'm like, well, they're already on this West Coast road trip. So if you didn't play, if you don't give him, like, if you don't take him West with you, 
he's not going to play to the 10th of January. I don't see Brad being happy if it takes like with that. So I'm like, the 28th makes sense, right? Because then he doesn't have to play Christmas Day. Ideally, I don't want Jason Tatum to play Christmas Day either, but he will. Um, I I think he should be reduced. Um, There'll be a call (laughs) from the commissioner if he doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, there would be, because that's like the matinee game of the season. Right, right. So close to the end of the football season as well, where interest is slowly starting to come back. Yeah, yep, exactly. And then all of a sudden, there's no Giannis and no Jason Tatum. No, and people won't be happy. I'd be happy. Won't be happy, right? Yeah, you'd be happy, and folks in Milwaukee maybe as well, but not Adam Silver. I'm going to say this: usually the Celtics play at like 7 p.m. my time on Christmas Day. Kind of messes with my Christmas drinking. Um, this year they play at 10 p.m. my time on Christmas Day. So, oh well, I can I can enjoy some Christmas. Drink. We'll see. <laughs> i'm not too sure next day you could always bounce back and watch it the next day too so no i liked I, yeah i could do on uh we we celebrate the next day though don't we We call it boxing day i don't know why right because there is zero boxing that happens that day i've searched every channel nobody boxes on that day so i'm not too sure why anyway we're getting off track that pretty much wraps up the show is there any insider information you'd love to share with everybody before we bounce or are you good I'm, I'm sticking with December 16th for, for, for Robert Williams. Write it down. Just as I asked him with insider information, remember that, everybody. And he sticks with December 16th. Sean knows something here. <laughs> right, everybody, if you've enjoyed the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you check out everybody else over at Heavy On Sports. And we will be back with you again next week. Until then, we wish you farewell. What you know, Sean?